We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. Uh, what's up, Laker fans? Darius, Pete, Mike, Blue Wire, etc. Lakers lose a heartbreaker last night. This team plays the wildest freaking games. They're down by 10-15 pretty much right away. Boston holds them there for most of the game. And then the Lakers go on this wild 31-5 run that spans the third and fourth quarters, go up by 13 with, I believe, 429 left, and then run out of gas. The wheels fall off. Boston comes back. Tatum hits a big shot to send the game to OT, and then uh, they win it in overtime, 122-118. to Mike, we could have three different pods on this game, and there were so many things that happened in it that I think are indicative of the bad, but also the good of this team. But I'm super curious what you saw from the ground level and just what the players and coaches, what their reaction to that game was. Well, the first thing is that the building was absolutely on fire uh, during that run and it to the point where I was trying to think of the last time and how could it not have been right it, just this ridiculous run 8-0 to close the third quarter and then basically dominate almost the entire fourth to, to the point of turning the 20-point deficit into a 30 13 point lead and it was such one-way play at that point and like all of the factors of the game were contributing to why it was going that way and I think we'll get to what the turning point of the turning point was. But the first thing to acknowledge is that to start the game, and this is something that LeBron explained after, and this is something that anybody who's watched the NBA for a long time understands, is that the hardest game to play is the game where you come back from the long road trip. And even though guys know it, they don't seem to be able to, the first home game, I should say, after a long road trip. And I thought that was reflective in the first quarter where the Lakers just weren't sharp and weren't quite on it. And Boston was sharp, not just because they had lost the previous game, but because they knew that they were going home um, and they had played the last night and they were in some kind of a rhythm. And in fact, uh, their 34-year-old coach, Joe Missoula, had put their starters back in late in the game against the Clippers in order to try to, to make sure that they had some kind of positive rhythm or feeling going into the next one. So Boston comes out and they're just sharper. They're hitting every three. I think they hit six of their first eight or nine threes. And so the Lakers were already kind of building out of that. 
Eventually, though, the Lakers get going, and then the flip side of the back-to-back comes into play. The flip side of the Celtics being on the road for all this time, where they look like they're out of gas once the Lakers took it up to that next level. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they can't get a stop. They And here's the next factor to bring in. No Al Horford, which we talked about. No Robert Williams. Blake Griffin, completely dead. As expected, he played 20 minutes the night before. He's not supposed to play every day at this point. And so they have to play Luke Cornett. And eventually that would end up working in overtime for another thing that we'll get to. But the Lakers make the choice and Darvinham makes the choice to not substitute LeBron and AD for the entire third quarter. And Well, sorry, LeBron got about two minutes in the third quarter. AD did not come out. So they cut it to six, fourth quarter starts, and the Lakers look continue to just look phenomenal. And LeBron and AD still in, and we start to have the text thread. And I'm like, hey, guys, AD hasn't sat out yet. You know, starting to look a little tired. Should, mm-hmm. When can they get him a rest? And well, it had worked. It had like the everything had worked. Not resting them had worked. They're up 13 with 425 to go. And for me, this is where the game turned. So there's a, a LeBron three that misses. And then in transition, nobody picks up Grant Williams. They're they're tired, can't quite get back. Open three. LeBron inbounds the ball. Marcus Smart makes a great play. And you can Parts, parts on LeBron, part of it's on Russ. I choose to kind of give the credit to the defensive player there who had not been doing that kind of uh, th- that kind of predatory little move that you'll see players do from time to time, but uh, we can get into that. And, and that then in timeout, Lakers, the lead is cut to eight with 3.38 to go. And I thought, so Boston gets to go into that timeout instead of being like, we just got run out of the gym, this game's over, let's go home. And okay, hold on, a couple more shots here. And we're right in this, you know, Tatum's young, Brown's young. And and that to me was where the game flipped. Uh, so I, I just put a lot on the table there, Darius. I know that we'll get specifically into all that, but that was the, the first point of that second half where the wave was just in the building. It was incredible. And mm-hmm. the the highlight plays and LeBron dunks and the steals and and everything's clicking. And that was the point where I turned to, to the uh, – person sitting next to me um shout out to ben goliver watching the post and, and gave one of those like uh-oh looks and it, it was that moment right there yeah that was the moment there were multiple more moments over the course of that final four and a half minutes or so where one more play or one fewer mistake mm-hmm. and that's where the fatigue set in to be fair to you mike like it was way before that point where the Lakers were up huge, where you were wondering, like, eh, are these guys going to get rest, right? And going into the fourth quarter, so remember, the Lakers had that massive run, but they were not leading at the end of the third quarter, mm-hmm. right? Like, they were in the midst of a fabulous run, and they were pushing, and their foot was on the gas, and they looked like they had the momentum, and that's where we were in the thread, sort of going back and forth, like, what are they going mm-hmm. to do? here. And I was very strongly advocating for the game to play out in the exact way that it did at that point. I was just like, look, Lakers going to need at least 10 minutes from Braun and AD in this fourth quarter. Darwin's going to have to wrap them around the quarter. He cannot sit them to start the quarter, which is part of the typical rotation that they would play if this was a normal game. But I was just like, look, they need at least 10 minutes from these dudes and they got to start the fourth. And at that point, it's 
This is a tricky thing, Pete, and I'd love your thoughts on this specific thing right here is I felt like they crossed a threshold of the point of no return of being able to sub them Mm. out somewhere around like the seven minute mark. And so, like, if he was going to get them out of the game, it needed to be in between that eight and seven minute mark so that with like six minutes left, five and a half minutes left, like he's got his horses back in the game. And once they got to that like four minute mark and they called that timeout and it's just like, uh oh, the Celtics are looking to make their push. It's just like it's too late. You're in survival yeah. mode at that point. And, and like I said, you need one more play made or one fewer mistake made down the stretch in order to. And some of these things aren't even mistakes. It's just like we'll get to this later, but like 80s free throws or LeBron going one and one at the line pretty much every single time that he's at the foul line. Right. Like one fewer turnover, mm-hmm. one more defensive rebound. Like there are so many small things that are just like that's just a play to make and the Lakers didn't make it. And it in the larger scheme of things, like it's those things end up being critical. And in the moment they feel big, but you feel like, Oh, well, it's like a 110 possession game, right? Like how much can these things actually matter? And so it points back to me, like the margin of error and like, and that's where the idea of like starting every game down Yes. By 10 or 13 points and and then having to climb your way back out. And then even the level of dominance that this team can show, like they are both of those teams. And it's hard to be two extremes mm-hmm. like that and actually be a good yes. NBA team. Right. And, and and so I just gave a lot to you and I asked for your thoughts <laughs> and just kept talking. So, yeah, so so the specific questions about uh, subbing out when you're on a mega run like that, I totally get it. And that that idea of the point crossing a point of no return, like for me, the moment that they don't run back in transition defense and pass the ball directly to the other team, like that's the point to like you need a minute. I understand it's 430 left in the game. We'll put you back in at the 330 mark, but you guys need a, a minute to be, because Mike, we've seen this. It's not just this game that we lost in this way where it's like just basic basketball stuff. You don't run back. You throw the ball straight to the other team. You're like, it. you're so tired that you're like, it's not even cutting corners anymore. You're not even like making the play at all. And so we, we've seen that enough times to where this is part of Darwin's challenge of getting a feel for his team and understanding the individual player tendencies. And like, this is how LeBron plays when he's tired, AD when he's tired, Russ and, and whatnot. And so I totally get that said, like you're on a 31 to five run though, right? Like when do you actually sub them out? That would have been the point that I did it, but I totally get why it went the way that it did. It's almost like in a race car in, in, uh, in, in car races where they're like, do we need that one last pit stop or can we go all the way through yeah. without running out of gas? Yeah. Do we yeah. have enough gas? Like, do we have enough gas? If you don't always race, make right? the right decision. I, I totally get why it went the way that it did. Yeah. Let's, let's hash this re- player rest thing out for a second. But the way that I, this, I learned this NBA wise was really more from Phil Jackson. Uh, and I always thought that mm. Phil had, first of all, I mean, I still think he's the greatest coach ever. Like I think Phil had, a, a great approach for a lot of things, but Phil always went to his bench rotation and I'm trying, I can only think of a couple of games where he would even extend guys that much past in extend, meaning like Kobe and I'll mm-hmm. defer to you guys on what he used to do with Shaq um, when I wasn't watching as closely, 
But part of the reason is because even if the guys aren't playing well, you have to have some level of empowerment for the rotation players. And even if they're having a bad game, like mm-hmm. Beverly and Schroeder played 19 minutes and they didn't play well. Kendrick Nunn, I, that's a different topic. Like, I don't think that he should be playing right now, but like Thomas Bryant played seven minutes. Lonnie Walker played 23. And the run was working up until the point that it wasn't. And like, though, I for me, there's never a point of, you just can't bring a guy in the game. I, I would make a sub in overtime and say, hey, you're a professional. I get you've been sitting for a while. But the, clearly, like, the team has figured out that this X, Y, and Z, there are five options on offense. Three of them aren't just aren't working at all right now. So you're going to end up getting bad shots. And then guys aren't going to get back. So they're... I just I, that's what I believe about NBA basketball um, and that there has to be at least not even for a physical rest always, although that's important, just a mental mm-hmm. break, the exercise of going to the bench. And and so what I had tweeted at the end of the third was Anthony Davis has not sat out yet. That's atypical. Um, and I expect that he'll get his rest like a minute or two to start the fourth quarter, even though that's not the typical rotation, because Darwin usually starts the fourth of late with LeBron and AD to kind of give him a little bit of an edge or at least one of the two. So to I, I want to get both of your thoughts on that before we move on to any number of 15 other points. But that's where I thought that did end up biting them. And as I say that, you know, it's like, well, or AD could have made the, you know, the two free throws and they still win the well, game. Like anyway. said, so, but so I'm speaking less yes. about this game than just the general yes. approach of you can't ride LeBron and AD like at this stage of their careers, which is part of what Frank Vogel was doing last season. Um, early in the mm-hmm. season and sort of like the only way that we really trust that a win can come is to ride mm-hmm. these two guys extend their minutes on I think that you have to empower even if the guys aren't playing well and pull those pull both those guys and make Schroeder go make a play and and maybe you yep. have to pull eight put AD right back in but usually what happens is that somebody else is able to do something um because they're an NBA player mm-hmm. I, I think you're spot on with that, Mike. I think, yeah, let's let's zoom out for a sec because when you were talking about Phil, that is sort of, you're planting a seed, right? Uh, or you're planting multiple seeds across your team that hopefully the whole, I'm not going to call a timeout when the other team's on a run, y'all figure it out, that that uh, bears fruit in the playoffs in, in really big time games. That said, D, like he wasn't 11 and 15 and fighting for a playoff spot at any point. I also, there's also the player, the impression that I got, I think they said something like this on the TNT broadcast, but I, I, I can't confirm, uh, was that like they didn't want to come out. And that this was one of those games, D, like the Milwaukee game, where they were like, we're going to win this game. And so like LeBron, after his first shift in particular, his defense was amazing. And I thought he really catalyzed the team defensively. Like he's getting in a stance, he's talking and he's pointing. And he's like, it's not only he played this many minutes, he played really high intensity minutes. And that's part of why we got back into the game. And so there's a certain point where your best players are like, hey, we're we want to stay in this game. We want to win this freaking game. And there's that like that that confidence of of I'm not going to run out of gas. I am going to be able to close this out as I have so many times in my life, but put it on my shoulders and I will be able to do it. And so on some level, like I see LeBron and AD fighting for this team in a way that is really that I think is really going to pay off for us if we're able to stay healthy and make a deal. 
that said, Mike's point about having trust in the role players and developing that and having them find a place within the overall structure of that. Like those guys weren't even getting shots aside from Russ because they were leaving him open. Right. But like how many touches did Austin get? Did you know how many times did the ball swing to Troy Brown? It was a couple times at the end of the third. He missed some corner threes. But like it was basically LeBron and AD and Russ carrying the the load down that period of time. And I agree with Mike's point that if you don't invest in that early, uh, like even down the road, that'll, that will have some prop that will create some problems uh, later in the season and into the playoffs. So all of that's right. It's also wrong in this specific case. So like the Lakers have extended LeBron and AD's minutes once all season. They did it against the Bucks in order yep. to win that basketball game. I don't see I don't see the stretch run of a single game as a disinvestment in the role players or this idea of like, we don't trust Mm. you. It was exactly this idea of we're going to go win this freaking Mm -hmm. basketball game. And guess what? They didn't. And maybe that costs you. Maybe that costs you. Like I've said this before that it's just like last season. Last season, and I don't want to talk about last season too much because it's happened this season too, honestly. Darwin has benched Russ down the stretch at certain times, and the Lakers have lost. And then Russ is mad, and then you have to manage that. Like, that costs you, right? And then he is closed with this dude, and this dude has been bad, and then they've lost, and then that costs you the coach like the coach then loses Mm -hmm. something in you right and it's a constant negotiation of where is the line and where is the balance and it's that push and pull of we're not actually at the level of the team that we aspire to be and we are climbing this ladder and you take a step up the ladder and one of the rings breaks and now your foot goes through the damn step and you go down a couple of levels and you climb and you fight your way to get back. And I think this game is indicative of the idea that this team has a lot of fight in Mm -hmm. them. I also think it's indicative of the fact that they don't have enough fighters. Yeah. And Darwin, Darwin is doing his best within the context of what the structure of this team is. I still think that he's got some blind spots for the roster in some very specific ways, but the roster is what it is. And he's going with the players who he actually thinks are the better basketball players in those moments. And like, so last night, for example, he rode Troy Brown, Mike, rather than going back to Lonnie. And he was just like, no, you're defending. And this other dude who we rely on offense isn't scoring against these power wings. We're going to lean into LeBron and AD. We're going to lean in the Russ because these are the dudes who can create shots against a defense on the wing that is this good. And it's like that push and pull, Mike. And so that's where I kind of saw last night's game. And I thought that in a way, the role players did their job while also the structure of the team letting the stars Mm. down to a certain extent. And that's kind of how I saw that. So to put a bow on... The rest thing, the Milwaukee game, right? So LeBron plays 20 minutes in the second half and AD plays 22. So AD got two minutes of rest. And that's all that's all the, the difference, right? Like, yeah. I mostly agree with you. Extend the minutes. Uh, LeBron got, in that case, four minutes of rest. And those two to four minutes to me were a difference. But there yeah. were many, many other things that could have gone a different way. W- why don't we take a break and then get Pete on the top of that list for where we should go next? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I would like to talk about that 31 to 5 run um, because I think that a lot of what we will be going forward is um, is couched in that run. Against Milwaukee, One, of, I had my first oh moment of the season, as, as Darius says, right? And against Boston was my second. Against Milwaukee, they're the, they were statistically and just on tape, the best or near best defense in the league. And we scored on them over and over and over again. Remember, that was a pretty high scoring game. I think we won 133 to 129. And so that was a shootout. And we were able to score on the best defense in the league pretty much at will down the stretch of that game. In this game, I my second O moment was our ability to break their offense, this offense that's been performing at a historically high rate. And when Boston gets out of sorts, it's because they're not particularly good ball handlers across the board because they choose to go for the bigger power wing type of build. That's a weakness of theirs. So even when you go back to like when they played Miami or when they'd give up a run in the playoffs, a lot of times they'd be discombobulated. They'd turn the ball over. They'd be, you know, kind of bobbling the ball all over the place. And in that in that run, the Lakers did a great job. Like Austin Reeves' defense was fantastic on the ball. He had some reps on Jalen Brown. He had a few on Tatum. Troy Brown was great throughout uh, throughout all of his minutes. LeBron was really engaged and flying around. But it's Anthony Davis who breaks the wheel. Like he had this one play where he did like three different things and ended up contesting a, th- a wing three that forced a bad miss. And it was like, when I talk about him taking two things away, it's like he does unnatural things where it's like, if you take this one thing away, then this other thing's going to be open because you're too far in that direction. Well, that doesn't describe Anthony Davis. But there's so there there are fake runs in the NBA right where you're down by a lot and the other team is just in trading baskets type of mode and I think there was some of that to start our run right the Celtics right there was the Celtics went ahead they held us you know by 15 points or so for the majority of the game and then it was like oh Lakers are getting back into it and there was just a level of intensity that we had that they did not. But they tried to get it back and they put their guys back in that are normally capable of getting it back. And they couldn't like they couldn't get good shots up. We were turning them over. We were forcing really late shot clock contested jumpers that were really tough. And they had difficulty getting that back. And so a big part of that to me, there's three things. One, think of the lineup we had out there at the time. It was Russ, Austin, 
Troy Brown, LeBron, and AD. That's a normal-sized lineup that is a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward, and a center. And there have been so few times over the last two seasons where we've just been a normal lineup out there in big minutes that it was refreshing to see that group really defend that way. The second thing was Russ's physicality and rebounding was huge in that run. And I know there's going to be a focus on the the OT and them sagging off of them. And our late game offense is a, a big problem that we need to address. And he's a big part of that and how teams guard him is part of that. But he got, I think, 10 rebounds in the second half of that game. He got four block shots and we were getting killed by Luke Cornett in the first half, who had six offensive rebounds in part because we were not sandwich rebounding. If you're going to play these types of groups, especially with AD at the five, there's the whole box out battle where you're either boxing out or boxing in and AD can get boxed in because he's got a high center of gravity. So when the shot goes up, the guy on the other team is going to put his forearm in the middle of AD's back and try to walk him under as much as possible. Somebody's got to clean up that long rebound. And Russ was great at that. He got us a ton of rebounds during the course of that run. And so if we want to win, <laughs> like if we want to be a good team and if Russ is going to, it's two things. If Russ is going to be on the team, he has to do that. And he wasn't doing that in the first half. And that's a big part of why we were down by 15. But if we trade him, we have to replace that somehow. There's a level of physicality and rebounding and just power and force that we lack on the rest of the roster that if he gets dealt before the trade deadline, we absolutely have to get that back in a significant amount. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the run in particular, Mike, and what stood out to you. Well, so part of the run to me was just a natural effect of the circumstances and that it's Lakers Celtics on TNT. The Lakers are basically embarrassed early and need to make a stand and need, and the crowd is, is waiting for it and is amping it up. And Boston, once they got up 20 and they were up 20, by the way, almost halfway through the third quarter. So, which at that point, mm -hmm. usually the game's over, right? Sometimes teams make the kind of the mini run, they cut it to 10, but Celtics games are over, Mike. Like, yeah. to be clear, Celtics games are over yes. at that point because they are yes. so good offensively, teams cannot yeah, come back against them. everybody out. And so, and they didn't have, they again, I keep mentioning it, but if the Lakers don't have LeBron or AD, and not that Horford is LeBron or AD, but they don't have another defensive presence in at the center position, they can really hang on both ends. Like Grant Williams can uh, can approximate it at times, but you saw what LeBron was doing to him um, it, you know, at a certain point of the fourth quarter. And so I thought, like, I'm... I'm giving the Lakers some credit for the run, but I also, I also think that it was just sort of the the Celtics were a victim of their circumstances for some of that run. But like what Russ was doing physically, that is when Russ is effective, when it's optimal for him. It's a loose, open game. You know, like it's uh, the other team isn't really locking in in certain in certain ways that it's not half court and he's able to thrive there. But he didn't bring it like that in the first half. He was one of the players that was not focused, that was not rebounding, that was not mm -hmm. defending. And that's that's a big reason why the game was how it was. Um, in addition to this, the starting lineup that's had its struggles and and how small they are and the no big wings and all that, like all, all of the stuff that we've seen before. So, nonetheless, like LeBron, AD, and Russ, their overwhelming athleticism when the game is like that, the track meet type game, like they are going to go on massive bursts like that. They can, they're capable of that. We've seen it so many times. But once things slow down. That's when the personnel stuff it really stands out to me. When Boston is begging Westbrook to shoot, 
And even though he's not, he's at 29% from three on the year before that game, he ends up in this game. Was it one for six, I think, or one for seven? Uh, yeah, one for six. They start defending him with Cornette dropping off into the paint, just like the Clippers did with Zubats, just like the Blazers did with Nurkic. And, you know, that's the point where you could just, how are you going to get the game to foot back the other way in those situations when Russ is on the floor? Uh, it's, he just, the game has to be optimized to, for the way that he likes to play. And when it's not, it's just not going to work. Whereas LeBron and AD of course can, can play in whatever kind of the game flow or the tempo is. And, Mm -hmm. and that to me, I thought again, not, we didn't start with that, but that was one of the things, especially in the overtime period where, and in the first half, by the way, um, where things were going a certain way and, and it was difficult to, well, there I'll, I'll, I'll just kick it to you on that one, Darius. No, I think that so I think it's both things in the fact that the physicality and the force that Russ can play with when in tandem with the physicality and force that LeBron Mm -hmm. and AD can play with tilt the game in that direction in which like, you know, the saying like you create your own luck. Right. And so the Lakers, to a certain extent, like they manifest that style. They they manifest a style in which you're talking about Russ can thrive. Now, so it's just like it is Russ being able to like sandwich down and grab a rebound and then dart out into transition and then play fast that creates the environment in which he can then go eat. Right. It's 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 so these things are directly correlated. The the flip side of that is, is that you can't do that for an entire game. And so. And he and we've said this about Russ a bunch is that he doesn't have the other pitch. Right. And so when the game started to slow down, he he did his best to create good shots. But at some point, the shots that were given to him are, quote unquote, fine mm-hmm. shots for most players. But for Russ, it's just like he has to be on and he be burning the defense by making those shots because those are the shots that they're conceding to him. But in getting back to the run aspect of this, the part that stood out to me is sort of what Pete was talking about in that, like it was right in the middle of that Venn diagram of what the Lakers can be good at defensively and specifically where Boston's weaknesses are in general. And I think where some of their weaknesses were exasperated by some of the roster deficiencies based off of injuries, right? And so, like, they didn't have their bigs. So even when the game was slowing down, it was like a lot of like, okay, well, we're going to target the paint and we're going to break. Like, I was dying for LeBron to drive against a defense with no rim protection, and he finally did towards the final stretch of that run he blew by Grant Williams and got a layup and then he attacked Blake Griffin and he finished even around Cornette even and it was just like oh yeah that's that's LeBron right there but even then Boston's switching defense and we talked about this in the pod before about the preview their switching defense is going to allow for smaller guys to end up on the Lakers Mm -hmm. bigger players and they targeted AD and he looked like a senior in high school playing against eighth <laughs> graders. This was like, there he is shooting right over the top of Derek White. There he is shooting right over the top of Marcus Smart, who is a good, strong defensive player. But Marcus Smart's 6'4". Yeah. Like, what are you going to do against Anthony Davis? 
right? And so there were structural inequities within roster, like within Boston's roster, just like there were on the flip side on the Lakers roster when trying to deal with their wings. And the thing was, though, is that the Lakers had just enough Pete. They had just enough ball pressure. They had just enough ability to like contest passing lanes. They had just enough like speed and force out on the perimeter to be like, oh, well, we can play some of that game too. Whereas Boston had nothing inside. And so, and that's why the run amplified the way that it did. Because really, like Boston should never be outscored 30 something to Mm -hmm. five. Like ever. Right. Like they're too good on offense and with their wings defensively, they're too good on defense, too. Right. But their switching style was nothing for a team that's just like, okay, well, we're just going to go inside. Yep. Like even LeBron was getting post ups. Right. And it's just like he. So this whole idea of like where the Lakers can be good, I think that stuff is real. It's and so that's why I go back to the idea of, well, their weaknesses, though, are just too glaring. That when you reverse the optimization and you say, oh, now go thrive in this space where you have to play slow and be methodical and be deliberate and create good shots in the half court against a defense that's locked in the way that Mike will often talk about how, well, those are the defenses that Russ isn't going to be able to attack. Like that's where, okay, well, what do we go to now? Yep. And that's where not having a wing shooter, not having a forward sized shot creator or guy who could shoot over the top of defenses that are locked in. That's where not having that specific dude is just like, oh man, that's such a big hole. Like, how do you get that guy? Let's talk about our end of game offense because Mike made some uh, good points on that front as well. Uh, And so the whole gravity of the defense being in the paint is something that the Lakers have to fundamentally flip or they have to hit their jump shots, right? Like there are multiple things that are true at the same time in that Russ changes the geometry of the court. There's nobody else or not nobody else, but there are very few guards in the NBA where defenses are going that far under and saying there's nobody above the free throw line, this wide open three pointer, all yours. You take that. I, uh, on a whim last night, I was scrolling through the play by plays of all of our close games this season. Cause I was wondering what is rush shooting on in the last five minutes of close games that we've had this season on jump shots in particular. And the number I came to, mind you, this is one in the morning on a sleepless night uh, after we blow a lead to the Celtics. So maybe my count's off, but the count that I came up with was three for 18 on jump shots in the last five minutes of close games. And so that's 16.7%. And these are wide open shots. You got to do better than that. 18's a lot of shots too, Pete. It's a lot of jump shots for Russ. And I want to say this is a seven or eight game sample size is my guess that I would consider, you know, it was a close game down the stretch and we're getting into those end of game uh, offense type of situations. And so it's like you're open for a reason, for sure. Um, But it also gets my mind toward the trade market. Like the Warriors have a player like this, the teams defend this way as well in Draymond Green. But what do they do when teams are like, okay, Draymond, we're not going to guard you at all at the top of the key. And we're going to sag back into the paint, protect back here. What do they what do they do when defenses do that? 
it flows right into a handoff with one of their shooters. And so like if Russ is going to be here, like that is something that's essential than any other trade that you get back is a guy that you can that not just can knock down open jumpers sometimes, but like that's what he does because that helps alleviate some of that. That said, there's always going to be a way, Mike, to cheat off of Russell Westbrook when he's on the perimeter. There was one play where he was, he missed a corner three in the left corner um, because, and that's one of the places you put him either in the corner or in the dunker spot in terms of like how you maximize him. And he wasn't able to knock down the jumper. And so there's only so much you can do on that front, but also like Russ had six of our eight points in overtime. He was three for six from the field. Like, I feel like he gets some of the blame when like LeBron and AD were so bad because they were out of gas, I think, but like that it, it all turns to them where, where it's like if Russ just stood there and took a three after dribbling out the entirety of the 24 second shot clock to the frequency that LeBron has been doing that, like we'd be freaking out, but it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's a big part of it too. And we've had the Russ conversation so many times that I I don't want to repeat myself again on it. I, I just, I'll, I'll try to do it in 10 seconds and just saying that I think it's a lot easier for me watching from afar or from a fan watching from afar to say, yeah, Russ isn't, isn't, hasn't been effective in certain situations like that. So he can't be on the floor. And I think that when the game is happening, especially a game like that, it's very difficult for the head coach um, to make that kind of a change, especially when there isn't somebody obvious to put in that spot. Like shooter wasn't on that game. You know, Reeves was already on the court. You know, Walker wasn't on. So it, it's that I think is part of it, too, sure. is that there isn't that other option to say, yeah, this person can carry some offense. But, you know, I, I just think that Russ he d- does not expect the three for 18. Let's not expect that number to change. Let us, let's not expect him to not take the shots and let's not expect them to go in. Like this is what he has been um, as a player. The thing we haven't mentioned much and, and I just want to touch on briefly is the free throws uh, in, in Anthony Davis because mm. and we're not mentioning it much because of the obvious like AD is awesome. Uh, he's been great. He's been great on both ends. He consistently didn't settle and attacked and mm-hmm. punished Celtics uh, defenders over and over and over again. Um, he even missed some shots that he usually makes. He still ended up being 13 for 24. Um, he still ended up being 11 for 15 at the line, even with the last two, you know, like he was all of the, all of the things that he did defensively that didn't result in a block or a steal where he had one of each, just because Boston just didn't even bother wanted to challenge him in certain trips. So, but with that said, he's got to make it like those free throws and he's got to yep. make at least one of the two. And, and especially on top of the free throw that he missed in Philly. And I'll just say that he feels that more than anybody else. And he was Mm -hmm. dejected at his locker head down for a long time. Uh, And, you know, LeBron came and talked and somebody asked LeBron about it. And and LeBron said, yeah, man, like it's because he he does care. He cares about the right things. He's not happy if he has a big statistical game and the team wins and he doesn't do his thing. So what ends up like it's that's the tough thing is when a player that you know, it's kind of really desperately wanted to make those free throws and and whatever it ended up being some mix of fatigue and mental mentality. And and my guess is that he was thinking about the miss in Philly and how could he not have Mm -hmm. been? And that, so that's just, it's tough. And with all of that said, the Lakers probably do win that game if he makes both right. Uh, Boston comes on, even if they hit a three, 
and they have to file again, yep. right? And so that's that's a tough thing, and, and it just it's got to be mentioned. But even in doing so, I'm apologizing for AD, right, because of all that he did to get the team to that point. Yeah, they lose by thirty. If Anthony Davis isn't there, yeah. we see what happens when AD doesn't play. And so it's just like, I have grace for Anthony Davis. He missed big free throws. He felt bad about it. And he's going to feel bad about it. I don't know. Maybe all year. Shit. Like, <laughs> like these are the ones that sure. stick with yeah, you. Yeah, what happens the next and time? Is it, it in his head? It, 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 like, if the Philly one was in his head uh, last night, then, you know, that accumulates. It does. Against Philly, too, it's just like he had also played, like, that's so the many, thing like down this like and these aren't like normal like, minutes it's, too it's, these are pressing flying all over the place how did he miss that first free throw that he missed it was long and to the left anthony davis she, makes like goes like yeah. 12 for 12 for the free throw line on a fairly regular basis and he's not just missing short or long or it's a little bit flat because like and so that combined with his overall rest of the performance when a player runs out of gas they're just out of gas there's no like try harder do better like but he does need to make the free throws, right? Like, like both things are true. He does. And this is where, like, we'll wrap up here. But this is where I'm just going, going to say the team needs to find reinforcements. The front office needs to find reinforcements for yeah. this team. Anthony Davis played the final 29 minutes of that game. Right? the entire second half and the entire OT and busted his ass and he missed a couple of free throws and he's going to feel terrible about that. But he had to play the final 29 minutes mm -hmm. because the coach, whether it's trust or whatever, he didn't want to go to the backup center. He didn't. He didn't feel comfortable going to the backup center, mm -hmm. right? LeBron had to play basically the last however many minutes he played, right? So he played the final 17 minutes for sure because he played all of OT and all of the fourth quarter, but he also wrapped around from the third quarter. So I don't know when he took his rest. He's had two minutes and he's had two minutes in the second half. Yeah, but I'm just saying that it's just like, I don't know when his rest came in the third, but let's just say it came halfway through the period. So Braun basically like played 23, like 20 minutes. Yeah. Like 20 consecutive minutes, 23 yeah. consecutive minutes as well. Like there's a reason why that's happening is because the team is so shallow in the front court. Mm -hmm. Like Wenyan would have helped because he could have subbed for LeBron or for AD and just given them yep. that play four or five minutes in the second half. Yep. That's just one player. The team has shown enough to me to invest in the team. LeBron is invested. Anthony Davis is, is invested. Mm -hmm. Hell, even Russell Westbrook is invested in his own way, even though I thought he came out shooting threes like, oh, you benched Ugh. me for the entire fourth quarter of the last, like, I don't want to like project thoughts onto Russ. I'm just saying that it did feel a little bit like I'm going to do my thing to start the game. And he did settle in to playing a style that's going to help the team eventually, but at the very beginning of the game, he was not. Mm -hmm. And it seemed not the type of, oh, well, first game at Hove after a long road trip sort of way. It seemed like I'm going to go get mine sort, sort of way. And that's the sort of thing that needs a bigger negotiation. That said, it's time. This team has shown enough. The stars need it. Yeah, that was the hope, I think, coming into the season. One of the things we talked about was like, we need to get to the point where we're a trade away. Um, and with 
things as they are. It could be a couple of trades. It could be one. It could be a really big one. It could be a couple small ones. There's a lot of different versions of it that, uh, but I, I agree that the stars seem really invested in this team. That was one thing, just like LeBron and AD's level of focus and fight for before they ran out of gas and, and Russ's as well was encouraging. And to the point where like, we beat Milwaukee in Milwaukee and we were right there in it. And we should have beaten Boston at home. And I know they're, they're out a couple of guys. Right. But the idea that we're so far away that it's just this like pipe dream, somebody's going to have to beat us four out of seven times. And I think that we can get there. Right. But we're also 11 and 16 in part because the roster is in this in-between place. You got to get to the playoffs. You got to get there in the first place, right. Before you get to that four out of seven, you got to beat these guys that many times, uh, type, type of situation. So anyway, got to wrap up here, but, uh, heartbreaker last night, but this team has something, right? Just a crazy team. Can't remember a Lakers team quite like it. We'll be back tomorrow, uh, to talk some more about them, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tap to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.